live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. The little chick she could do in one of those big envelopes and not a box. Because those... This is the press box. Those big envelopes, you know, you can fit a lot in those big envelopes, like the puffy ones, and then they can expand. If you throw a few chicks in there, they'd be okay, probably. With Grady and Bischoff. Stop trying to save money shipping your chickens in. <laughs> On ESPN Las Vegas. Here we go. It's a Monday morning. ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM. It's Ed Tyler. Jared Danny's in the house. Let's go. The first bite. Can the Raiders win the AFC West? I don't see why not. And yet, to avoid the wrath of all Raider fans, why do I think they can't? <laughs> because they haven't looked because good they despite looked being good 3-0. And being 3-0. And so the Raiders' 3-0 record is it's impressive that they're 3-0. Absolutely. Not, not many teams are 3-0. First time and, since 2002, by right. the way. So like, it's, it's a good record, and that's going to bode well for their actual playoff chances because... The rest of the season, you know, if they go seven and seven, yeah. they're probably in the playoffs. Right. If they go six and eight the rest of the way, they, they could be got a shot to be in the playoffs. So they don't actually have to be a good team the rest of the season to make the playoffs. So as far as making the playoffs go, the three, zero starts phenomenal. It's but great. if you're trying to project out how good is this team actually chiefs are one and two Broncos are three, and zero. how much of a shot do they have to be better than Kansas city? How much of a shot do they have to be better than the chargers and the Broncos in this division? The way they've played sort of makes it, it slows me down a lot from saying this team is actually going to be a contender for the AFC West because yeah. I they're three, and zero. I don't know that they've played well in any of the three well, games. I mean, Carr said that afterwards, uh, and Gruden said afterwards, they haven't come close to playing their best, which is true, and they, they said it. Um, and they haven't. You and I were talking before the show. It, all three games, well, mostly both both overtime home wins, they made some plays, four or five a game, where if you make those plays on usual Sundays, you probably don't win games. Right. And yet they win both in overtime. And that's a credit to them. Like I said, they overcome, and Gruden said it yesterday, they overcome kind of catastrophic snaps or moments where things happen. You're like, man, that's a horrible play there. But they've overcome them, and they're 3-0. and And if they – put it this way. If they haven't played their best, which they haven't, we don't know what their best is because they haven't done it, and their ceiling's a lot higher, then I'm not saying they can't win the West. Right. If they If they are better than this and they're simply having bad mistakes and it's making them play close games, then absolutely, absolutely they can, they can win, win the West. West. The best version of the Raiders yeah. can win the AFC absolutely. West. I think it's more reality, though, that they're not that good, that we're going to see games every single week where they have big mistakes. I think that's more like reality. And eventually... Which doesn't mean they can't make the playoffs. Right. I think they'll still, they're still in a great spot to make right. the playoffs. But eventually those mistakes are actually going to lead, lead to losses. Like they've been both home games. They've been down two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. That do, you, you don't come back from down 14 you don't keep plus coming back. Right. very often. And they've done it in two of their three games so far. Hell, they threw a pick six. I think mm-hmm. just, do, just teams that have a pick six in a game, I think the team that has the pick six wins like over 75% of the time. Before yesterday, uh, when Carr threw a pick six, they were 0-10. Yeah. It's, and like, they... One yesterday. Right. If you throw a pick six, you usually right. lose the game. Now, it helps when the opponent hands you a safety. <laughs> that, yes, it's a great play call by the Dolphins. Make up for it. But it's been, it's amazing that they've had as many bad plays as they've had. I mean, listen, mm-hmm. they blew an 11-point lead in the, fourth, in the quarter. fourth quarter to an offense that I was convinced could not score. 
Mm-hmm. I did not think that unless the Raiders handed them points, I did not think that offense could score and they blew it. They blew an 11 point fourth quarter lead. And then in overtime, hell, they only got a field goal and gave the Dolphins a chance to win the game. Like it's amazing. Amazing that they've won all three games they've played so far, despite looking as bad as they have at times. And to me, I think like to me, that leads to, okay, they're going to be in a lot of close games this year. Absolutely. Eventually, they're going to lose yeah. some of these close games. Eventually, one of these mistakes is actually going to cost them, and they're going to lose close games, and they're going to be, you know, 500 in one possession games the rest of the way. So that's, to me, is sort of the big question going forward is that's, I think that's who they are as a team. They're a different team this year. I mean, last year, they were 2-6 and six at home. Uh, they're already 2-0 and oh this year. It was a weird year last, obviously, with no fans. So I do give a lot of credit to the fans being in Allegiant Stadium for the 2-0 and oh start. Um, their reaction and their kind of uh, enthusiasm. It's just different, obviously, when there's no one in the stadium. Uh, I'm with you. Look, I mean... I don't know what the ceiling is. That's the other thing. Uh, and I think, and we're going to talk as the week goes on, they're going to be tested a lot differently this week against Herbert on Monday night, uh, next Monday night, a week from tonight, in ways they haven't been tested yet by a quarterback. But, you know, you, you take 3-0, and and, and Gruden said, yes, I agree with Gruden. He goes, look, I don't apologize for wins. And you can't because, you know, it's so hard to win in that league that you don't apologize for any wins, and they've won three, and they're 3-0. and But, yeah, the, Carr and Gruden both said, and Carr said this afterwards on the field with his interviews. They haven't come close to playing their best. I don't know if they know what their best is. Uh, I mean, they, I'm sure they think they know what their best is, but I don't know if they do. And like you said, if they play their best, if their best is uh, what we think it might be, they can win the West. Uh, but if they don't win the West, look, like you said, they can win 6-7 down the stretch and, and play 500 ball and, and still get in the playoffs, which would be a huge leap forward for a team that's only been one in 17 years. Right. They're in a great spot to make the playoffs without even playing well the rest of the season. Right. If they're an average NFL team the rest of the season, they're they probably in. They're probably in the playoffs. Now, they were 6 and 3 last year. They were 3 games right. above 500 at one point last year, later in the season. And they fell apart from that right. point forward too and didn't make the playoffs. So, we've seen this from the Raiders where they've had a really good stretch and they look really good and it's like, "Oh yeah, this is a playoff team or this is a team that can, can compete and they fall apart." So, Will this team actually be different when it matters? I think defensively, they're much was, better, and that's going to be that's going to be the difference maker the rest of the season. I was what, just going to say that yeah. six and three, but they were terrible defensively, yeah. and I think that's going to be the difference. Yeah. They again, I, so far this season, Baltimore's got a good offense. Lamar Jackson fumbled the ball twice in that game, right. which a little bit of an anomaly, but. I think we're going to look back. Pittsburgh, I think, is going to be one of the We're kind of seeing what they're about. Bottom 10 offenses right. in the league. Miami's probably going to be a bottom right. 10 offense in the league. So the last two opponents have not been great, but... They won the games. In the past, the Raiders' defense has gotten beat by bottom 10 offenses as yeah. well. So I don't know that the Raiders' defense is going to stay... What you know, they're, kind of, they're close to like a top 10 unit right now by a lot of different stats. I don't think they stay in the top 10 the rest of the season. I think when you play the Chargers twice, you play the Chiefs twice. Hell... Teddy Bridgewater and the Broncos, maybe they might be decent on offense. Jack Prescott and the Cowboys. Yeah, like the defense is going to come back to earth, but I think it means, hey, they're the 18th or 19th best yeah. defense and not the 30th best defense. You know, you know what's funny is between both Baltimore and um, the Miami games, it was really funny. We're in the press box, and people said the same thing both those games. I was kind of laughing yesterday because it was the same narrative, and I think it's true. A lot of it's true. They everyone said, oh, you know, they lose this game last year. 
And I think you're exactly right. I think the difference is they have a defense that can get to quarterbacks and can create some havoc, and that's the difference because I do think they lose both games last year. I don't know if they overcome 14 last year, even against the Dolphins, because I just thought they were so bad defensively. I don't know if they overcome that yesterday last year. Yeah. And I certainly don't know if they overcome Baltimore down 14-0 to them last year. But they did both times. Because to come back from down two scores, you are going to have to get multiple stops in a row yeah. defensively. And last year, that wasn't really happening. Well, against. yesterday, the pick six, they stopped them six out of seven, the first seven possessions defensively. Yeah. They gave a pick six, right. but then they only gave up another touchdown. Before the fourth quarter, the only points that the Raiders allowed was a pick six. And when John Gruden and the offense failed to get it on fourth and one on their own right. 40 yeah, yard short line field, or whatever and then they gave up the run. Right. And then, I mean, they obviously didn't play well and gave up a touchdown, right. but it was a short field. Those are the only points they left. That's yeah. why they go into that fourth quarter. They're up by 11, and I'm like, the game's over. Right. Like, this offense cannot score unless the Raiders hand them points. I'm still amazed they were able to. I think one other thing to talk about here is that fourth quarter. So, obviously, you have the missed extra point from Daniel Carlson, Carlson. that if he makes that, they don't have a chance no, to it's tie over. it They're on not the final tie drive it. of the game. Right. But I think the bigger blame and, and maybe the bigger concern going forward is the offense had two drives in the fourth quarter and they went three and out on both of them. Their, excuse me, their last two drives of the fourth quarter. They went three and out on both of them. Either either opportunity, drive down the field, score, and the game's over, or at least drive down the Just field. Just have a long drive and take clock off take and it's some over. time off. Right. And the, they don't really have a legitimate right. shot to drive down and tie the game at the end. And they had two three and outs. A lot of that's play calling where John Gruden gets conservative with a lead and it's let's hand it off just straight up the middle and try to run as much clock as possible. But like, that's got to be different too. That's got to be like, they won the game in overtime. They're three and oh, but if they lose that game in overtime, I think that's what we're looking back yeah. to is like, what, what the hell did they do with the offense on those last two fourth quarter drives? They just going back to those plays I was talking about. Um, and you know, to, you gotta give them credit, man. They're three and oh, but they'll do things that, almost never happen like the fourth and 20 play like that almost never like when you're down in distance in the NFL and you're anything over 10 on third down it's really hard to get that conversion right 27 yards to a tight end and I'll get I'll tell you what I'll give Brissett a lot of credit because that was a hell of a throw I mean that was a great throw over the over the you know he kind of in between coverage there was a great throw great catch but still it's fourth and 20 earlier they gave up they they allowed them to convert convert when it was second and twenty three. They allowed them to convert on that drive. Like that's the kind of stuff that happens. And at the end of the game, you're like, man, they won that game. They did a lot of good stuff too. I don't want to take that away, obviously. But I just, you know, I'll tell you one thing. I don't know if they're going to play their best on Monday, but they better play their best game on Monday because if they don't play their best game on Monday. They're not beating that quarterback. Uh, which goal line sequence was dumber this year? The Raiders in overtime against the Ravens where they had the failed quarterback sneak and then the interception the, through Willie Sneed's hands. Yes. Or the way the Dolphins tied the game yesterday at the end of regulation where they get down to the one yard line. First off, they ran two wildcat plays. Which, got how, okay. Between two wildcat, <laughs> wildcat plays and a screen in the end zone that ends up in a safety. I'm sorry. We're, we're telling you what the Raiders, you know, need to improve on. Play calling over on the Dolphins side needs to improve. Okay, you want to try one Wildcat? That's fine. They ran the same play, yes. two straight plays. Like, yeah. what are they doing? Do they want to? Do they want to score? And then on third down, Brissett scrambles, doesn't right. get in the end zone. Right. They don't have a timeout. Clock's running. They've got to line up. And on fourth down, Brissett scrambles, scrambles again, again and he gets, and gets in. in on the fourth yeah. down. I think was it Perriman that got juked? Perriman had a chance to end the yes. game, and I think and I think it was Perriman, and he got juked, and Brissett walked into the end zone for a touchdown. Like. 
That they the Raiders have had two of the dumbest goal line sequences in the NFL in three of their games this year. Yeah, the two point conversion was actually a good play call, and that usually what happens in the flat, and the guy gets open. That happens all the time. But um, I will say, through the hands for the pick. I think it was too that one. because it was an like unbelievable failure because the Raiders had they had a failed quarterback sneak and then they had the false start that took them off the goal line where again if you just run four straight quarterback sneaks you're scoring ninety nine point nine percent of the time from the one yard line but the false start pushes you back to the five you still feel oh they can still get in from here and then it's somehow Derek Carr throws it one hundred and six miles an hour and Willie Sneed can't catch it and it turns into an interception like. The two of the dumbest goal line sequence and neither one have gone the Raiders way and they've still won both of those games. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I don't, you know, you didn't, don't, it's, it's a week away, but I'm really, really fascinated to see how they play against the chargers because it's the best team they're going to play so far. I am too, because defensively that's going to be the key again. It's I've said it for three weeks now. They have not faced a team that's throwing the ball down the field yeah. against them. They, we've seen a couple of deep shots against them. Not and, like they're about to face. Right. And hell, they probably should have lost last night in overtime because right. Jonathan Abram got, should have been called for PI in the end zone. That, on, by the way, that overtime. was, that was pass interference. Right. And it should have put the dolphins yes. with the ball in the one. one and then it's over. Wins the game. Right. Um, but they haven't really been tested deep. And that is, you know, Trayvon Merrick is a rookie safety. Jonathan Abram is not even really playing safety this year because they don't trust him in those situations. Right. And, he almost threw the game away in that linebacker. situation. So that Herbert and how much the Chargers can push yeah. it down the field and how much can the pass rush for the Raiders prevent them from right. being That's able to take be shots the key, down the field. The pass rush. It'll be fun to see. All right, coming up next, we'll stick with the NFL because, oh, my God, Andy Dalton might actually be better than Justin Fields. Is Tyler a know-it-all? Can you prove him wrong? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. 66-yard field goal try for Justin Tucker. It would be the longest in NFL history if it's good. A 66-yard try. Tucker's kick is on the way. It is good! Crossbar, and it tumbles through. It is good! Time has expired. Justin Tucker with the longest field goal in NFL history. The hay is in the barn, and it's mayhem on the field. Oh, my God. You've just seen just history. lost my mind. You have just oh seen and God. heard history as Justin Tucker, eight years after he hit a 61-yarder to win in Detroit, has silenced the crowd with the longest field goal in NFL history, 66 yards. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. Yesterday in the NFL, there were two field goal attempts that would have broken the NFL record for longest made field goal. Justin Tucker, as you just heard, hit one at the buzzer to beat the Lions. But Zane Gonzalez of the Cardinals tried one from 68, and it got returned to 109 yards for a touchdown. <laughs> and if you'd like to hear, if you would like to hear two different versions of that call, let me know because I got them ready. 68. So I, I do have a question on the Justin Tucker one. He hit the he hits the crossbar. If they had had a guy back there to return it, could he have jumped up and slapped the ball down? No, that's technically illegal. And the only reason I know that is the Chiefs used to used to employ a seven foot tall guy in like the late sixties, whose whole job was to like goal. Why can't you goal tend to field goal? Because the Chiefs tried it in the sixties, and everybody went no. But why? 
It's against the Why rules. are you looking at me? He's got the he's got the answer. I don't believe anything Jared says. All right, says. I'm, this is, I'm looking it up. There is like a seven percent chance anything he just said is true. Well, let me ask you this because I was uh, a little confused last night. I'll ask you this real quick. Do you know the Raiders in the last drive when Peyton Barber had the long run? From that long run on the sheet, it's six plays before Carlson hits the winner, right? The play before that, you saw where the Miami Dolphins just jumped as like complete nut jobs because okay. they just wanted to screw with them. Yes. Should that be a play? See, I said, we said yes because they actually moved the ball. The penalty? Forward. No, yeah. penalty doesn't count as a play. See, we said yes. No, penalty doesn't count as a play. Oh. Yeah. If you're reading the column tomorrow, it's five, today's five plays instead of six. <laughs> All three of us. Uh, Adam Case and I always uh, thought because they moved the ball forward to half the distance. No, I, I don't think it's not, it's no play. It goes down. Every penalty goes down as no, unless it's a penalty that's added on to the end of a play. But every penalty. But that is was it. added on because they're half the distance. Well, he was at, like, it wasn't he was, added it was on 22. anything. If it's a if you have like a. You're, you're saying they added on to like the end right. of a, a, a right. end of a catch and it's unsportsmanlike like conduct it's, or whatever. It's no play. I don't know. Hold on while I check that and edit that. <laughs> I'm glad this was a very important discussion in the press box. Is this a five-yard drive well, or a no. six-yard? I mean, six it, was one of the, it was one of those things where, like, I, you're counting up the plays. I'm like, I don't think that's a play because it was uh, because it was dead ball. And I, they, they just jumped it like nut jobs, I, which, I, by the way, I don't even know what they were trying to do. I guess they were trying to mess with them. I think you could have written around that. I think you could have avoided no, that. No, I don't think I could have. I don't think I could have. play drive. I think you could have avoided Justin Tucker, I don't usually feel bad for teams, but it's such a Lions way to lose. To yes, yeah, that's a, I was going to preface it with I don't usually do it, but I do because it's such a Lions way to like lose a game. They, they had their own game-winning drive. Yes. They had it. They had a game-winning drive, and then... Lamar and Lamar Jackson doesn't even get him into legitimate right. field goal range. No, the guy could go sixty-six. Yeah. That's not even legitimate field goal range. Like Aaron Rodgers got the Packers into legitimate field goal range last night on Sunday Night Football. Lamar Jackson just kind of got him to midfield, and they lose the game. And again, Tucker hit the crossbar. Like that thing could have bounced. Oh sure, if the rotation was slightly yeah. off a little bit, that thing bounces straight to the ground. Pretty amazing. Unbelievable. The Lions lost. That I think way. Jared was right. I was. Morris Stroud, the Morris Stroud rule is Rule 12, Section 3, Article 1. He was a six foot ten Kansas City Chief tight end, and his rule is goaltending by any player leaping up to deflect a kick as it passes above the crossbar of a goal is strictly prohibited. So you can hit it before it passes the uh, Yeah, post? like you can do the dive thing. And... No, no, but that says, like, if I'm standing on the goal line and I jump and hit it, that's legal. I mean, I guess like yes. the way that if, the if, way you read the somebody, rule, yeah, the way okay. you read the rule is goaltending, which means pulling it back <laughs> yes, after okay. it's going through the crossbar. Nobody Look, can do that. If some dude, apparently a six foot, no, I don't believe this guy ever blocked some dude, I don't believe this guy ever can stand him. at the goalpost and be athletic enough to reach through the goalpost, right. catch the ball, and then throw it back. I'm not calling anything right. on that. Dude. I'm like, that we... guy's the most athletic guy in the history of sports. Why would we not yeah. want that in this sport? Well, and the trajectory of the ball spinning over. Yes. If he can do that, that's better than the, uh, who's the kid the other week with the Ohio State catch? I mean, get him yeah. out of there. If you could do this. Why would we not want that in the sport? Oh. Who came up with that rule? Who's this guy's Morris? There's no way that guy blocked. There's no way that guy Morris did this existed. more than one time. I mean, all I know is that. Chiefs head coach Hank Stram between 1970 and 1974 would every time it was a long field goal go go line up near the goalpost. I mean, it's one thing if he was behind the goalpost. When did just they move the goal back. 
goalpost back also is a question because if the goalposts were in the front, that's a whole different conversation. I I want everything to be legal if they're allowed to do that. That that would be listen, who would do that for the Raiders? Brian Edwards? I don't think anybody could do <laughs> no, it. No, I don't think anyone could do it. Who would you throw out there though? You throw out Brian Edwards. <sighs> I don't know. Maybe who Waller. Can, who can? Who's Brian Edwards? Isn't that tall though? Like the Raiders don't have just a tall guy that can jump. I thought that's what he was supposed to be. But he's not that he's tall. Not tall. <laughs> like, he's, he's tall. I think he was drafted for that. Right. Like he's not tall, tall. Like listen, the, like I think that was my reporting on the first day. <laughs> he seems tall. He seems tall. I just, I don't know. I just, you should be allowed to do that. Now, let's hit Justin Fields for a minute because, oh my God, I don't know if there's been like a worse, highly anticipated quarterback debut than what Justin Fields did with the Bears yesterday. He was sacked. Nine times in that game, he was six of 20 for 68 yards. Their net passing yards was one because he got sacked for 67 yards yesterday. Andy Dalton might be better than Justin Fields. Well, what did you say last week? Because Nagy kept saying, if Dalton's healthy, he's our number one. And I think the reason you said that was on the basis of if this guy stunk, and it's his first start. I get that. But if he was that way, now it's easy to go back and say, well, he struggled, but Andy was always our number one anyway, so now he's healthy, so we're going to go back to Andy, right? Instead of just totally committing to this guy and he gets sacked nine times. Let me ask you this, because uh, Nagy got ripped uh, by several places after the game, because Miles Garrett after the game said, we really expected this guy to leave the pocket and run more, and he just dropped back, and we were really shocked at that. How much is it on the coach not calling plays to help Justin Fields? I think it's like 50-50. Like, Fields was brutal, was miserable right. yesterday. But. But, like, where the hell was the zone read? That, that's like, what, where, like, Garrett's like, they played it as if Andy Dalton was the quarterback. Right. Like, where was anything designed for Justin Fields and his running ability? Right. Like, I think It they, wasn't. I think they called maybe two designed runs yeah. for Justin Fields the entire game. And I think it was in the second half. Right, which is unbelievable. Hell, they got inside the five-yard line, and they went to the Wildcat. Yeah. It's like you have a quarterback that can run. Why the hell are you going to the wild? This cat? isn't the Dolphins. Right. <laughs> it was like, I think it's like 50 50 on the coaching okay. staff because the other part of this is the the Bears offensive line is not any good. And a lot of those sacks were on fields because, that, I mean, one of the biggest criticisms of him is he holds the ball longer than any other. But he's dropping straight back. But there were like almost no. Just short, quick design passing right. plays to get it out of his hands, get a completion to. Allen Robinson three yards down the field and see if Allen Robinson can make a move and make it a 10, 12 yard game. Those didn't exist. Like like the play calling was abysmal for Matt Nagy and Justin Fields. Like they did not coach to his strengths. Now he right. was awful too. He was not any good at all, but they did nothing to help Justin no. Fields, nothing to put him in a good situation. And Garrett said that as nicely as he could afterwards. He goes, we were completely shocked. <laughs> Because he kept when, dropping back, straight dropbacks, and not any zone reads. And he was like, we just went after him. When the defense is like, you know, we prepared for something yeah. different. And we didn't get that. And it's usually a, and it's a good thing for the defense. Right. Like, we've heard teams say, well, we prepared for something different, and they just got torched. Right. right? When it's like, oh, we prepared for something different, and we held them to six points. Yeah. Like, what the hell did you, like, yeah. the uh, like Miles Garrett knows a better way to use Justin Fields than Matt Nagy? It appears so. That's, That's what he, he said. We thought we'd see more zone reads. We thought they'd we thought they'd get him out of the pocket more, yeah. and they didn't. And they like, didn't. That's Nagy's. That's can I, That's bad. Can I play some Matt Nagy sound? Because no, he seems I don't rude. want to hear from him. Okay, I don't want to hear from him. Do you have any sound from that guy who used to like hit balls over the crossbar? 
I think he died in 2016. Well, there might still be sound. (laughs) Coming up next, Mike Gravala joins the show. Do you want to schedule a parent-teacher conference after hearing Grainy's grades? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678 and let us know who deserves a higher grade. Cameron Friel out of a shotgun. Play action fake to Magyar. He's hit. The ball is loose. It's a fumble. And Fresno State has recovered the fumble at the 20-yard line. It looks like Aaron Mosby recovered the fumble. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is The Press Box with Grady and Bischoff. Joining us now from the Las Vegas Sun is Mike Gramala. All right, Mike, how many moral victories does UNLV have this season? One, right? I think the Fresno State one actually counts as a moral victory, right? I think so, too, but, you know, Marcus Arroyo tells us after every game they're not into him, so he might think they have four. Yeah, well, no, he's he's saying you don't count them as moral victories. <laughs> so they're, uh, I don't know, I've lost track. They're 0-4 in real victories, I think 1-3 in moral victories. So whatever that adds up to. <laughs> Do That's... you actually feel better about them after that game? Uh, way better, way better. Um, I don't know, there were... You know, they went up 14-0 against a, a ranked team on the road. Um, there was a lot of stuff in that game that could, you know, credibly be called football from UNLV, which we did not <laughs> see in the first three weeks. You know, it looked like if Doug Brumfield can give them a full game at some point, I think, they could, I think they'll win a game. Um, I think they might have won that game at Fresno State if he stayed on the field. Um, so I think that's – like, they, they had – good defensive stretches. They were moving the ball. Uh, you have to feel way better about what you saw. That was actual football. Um, help me out here. I was, uh, well, let's be honest. I was going back and forth between the Dodgers uh, and the game. When he got hurt, uh, three or four people told me he wasn't really touched. What's happening? I, I feel bad because I do. It's, it's obvious who their best quarterback is, and I do. I agree with you. He plays a whole game. There are the New Mexicos and maybe Utah States and others on the schedule where they can win a game or two. What is his health issues, and and what happened this time? From from what uh, Marcus Arroyo said in the the post game press conference, uh, we'll find out more today. Um, it sounded like the first time he came out of the game late in the first half, he missed the. I think their final drive was he had some sort of. Um, cramping issue um, and so he had to come off the field and then he came back to start the second half um, and then possibly re-aggravated you know the knee injury that's been uh, bothering him for the past couple of weeks so uh, it was a sort of a, a combination of things in that game but the one that knocked him out for good I guess was the, the knee issue I think um, we'll find out more today um, but we'll see if he can practice and We'll see what his status is for this week at UTSA because um, he can't. They can't move the ball without him. Defensively, they are still giving up a ton of points so far this season. Do you feel like they're better on that side of the ball, though? I do. I don't have any statistics to back it up. I just know that last year uh, they had no chance of stopping anyone, and I watched them this year. And I see once in a while they'll get pressure in the backfield or they'll stop a run, you know, before the line of scrimmage. 
or even more frequently, they'll knock down a pass. Like, I think the secondary is just light years better than it was last year um, when anyone could march up and down the field throwing the ball on them. And now I think this year you'll see uh, Noah Williams, a couple other guys, they they stay closer to receivers uh, on some plays. They're there at the point of uh, – at the catch point, and they're there to they, – they make it at least a, ch- a challenge. They're keeping the offenses honest. So – I guess I don't know if it's if you can um, quantify it yet, but I do think there's been some defensive improvement just because they make they keep you honest on offense. They actually make you execute if you want to score your 40 points. I actually think you're exactly right. It's all relative because it's UNLV and they've just been so bad defensively. But from the first game in Eastern Washington, it might have been the first play where uh, it might be it might have been Noel where he just leveled some guy and I turned the guy next to me I'm like you know what I haven't seen that play in forever and it, you know for a normal team it'd be like well that's what you should do but to me I've seen so many plays where watching this team for you know over 10 11 12 13 years where you're like you know what I've never really seen them make that play so I'm with you I think they're better defensively but like you and Tyler said if you just look at the blank numbers and look at what they've done you're like oh they're not good defensively but Relatively speaking, I I I think they are better, Mike. So, but so, what do we do with that? Like, if they're, if <laughs> what does that mean? If they're, if we think they're playing better and they are, like, but then on the field, it's still you know thirty eight points every single week. Like, what do we do with it? Do we? Is it encouraging? Do you say like, oh, once they finish the recruiting cycle and they get another class in here, like? Do we think it's going to finally show up in the statistics and they will hold someone to 14 one week and win a game? Like, I don't know what to do with that. It looks a little better, but I don't know how encouraged to be by that. I know what you do. You keep Brumfield healthy and you actually move the ball so the defense isn't on the field. <laughs> they uh, I are... mean, that... Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say that that's, that's the most important thing by far, more than any offense or defensive execution, just keeping him on the field. Yeah, they're still they're last in the Mountain West in points per game allowed, last in the Mountain West in yards per play allowed. I think what I can tell you, if you're looking for some positivity, they had one game go to overtime, and they gave up two touchdowns in overtime, which counts against your points per game, and the other three games they played have all been against ranked opponents, and that's they're not going to play Iowa State and Arizona State again. So... The rest of the schedule should be easier than what they've played already. So while they're giving up 39 now, you hope that translates to 32 the rest of the way out. And if Doug Brumfield's healthy, maybe they can score 34 in a game and Mm -hmm. win the game. Um, All right, Mike, the real reason you're on here. What happened to you at a Quiznos in Fresno? I got yelled at. (laughs) For what? (laughs) I got yelled at a customer. I guess for back for holding up the line. Um, How can you hold up a line when you want nothing on your sandwich? Well, okay, so a Quiznos, it was outside my hotel, and I've never been to one of these places. But I know what they are. Like, I, you know, I watch TV. I know that they, they toast the bread. That's their thing. I go, so I'm thinking, like, it's lunchtime. I'm hungry. Places right here. I'll get a meatball sub, and that's, like, something I can have, and that'll be fine, and uh, we'll be good. So I pop in there. It's lunchtime, so there is a little bit of a, a line queued up. So I get in. And my turn comes, and I'm, you know, I'm looking at the menu, and I say, you know, meatball sub, no cheese, because I know a lot of places put cheese on it. And the woman behind the counter, um, in sort of an accent, you know, she's speaking with an accent, and it's loud in there. It's also very loud. It's like it's almost like an open kitchen. It's like a, a bat. It's like a, a World War II battlefield. It's just it's very loud. Everything's happening very fast. And she says, um, no cheese, and I say, no cheese. Just meatballs. And she says, no cheese again. 
And I said, again, and we went back and forth like that five or six times. I said, no, just meatball, the bread, toast it, please, thank you. Please. And someone behind me in line, a man, goes, they don't have meatball subs. Very loud. <laughs> Very loud. And honestly. And I looked up and I didn't see it on the man. I went, oh, wait. I, so I guess I was wrong. They didn't serve that. And I was just, and she wasn't saying no cheese. She was saying no meatball, I guess. <laughs> I don't know how those two things come out sounding the same, but they did. And so I was standing in line, and people were um, starting to get agitated behind me. So I ended up getting a uh, just a regular turkey sub after that, and I slinked away. Did you get cheese so on the was, turkey? No, just plain. <laughs> and I did I, I explained it, just turkey and bread, and I don't think I'm ever going back. <laughs> turkey and bread. <laughs> I got yelled at. That's the issue. All right, so there's there's a lot going on here. First off, I am impressed. Mike would order a meatball sub. I assume, yeah, because it has sauce on it, right? Like even if you've gotten one somewhere else, they can't make it without sauce. Well, that was like one of the other. I was distracted because I was also looking around as I was ordering. I was looking for the utensils because I, if I get a meatball sub, I eat it with a knife and fork, which I know you guys will find funny, but I eat it sort of deconstructed. I eat the meatballs and then I eat the bread. Oh God. Do you eat the meatballs first, then keep the bread to the side, and then eat the bread? Yeah, well, I don't eat it one, and then the, I sort of go back and forth. But, yes, I eat them separately. So I was looking, like, where's my knife and fork? Like, how am I going to do this? What am I going to use for a plate when I get back to my room? There, there's a lot of stuff in my head besides, um, you know, just whether they actually served a – or whether they offered a meatball sub. So, um, it, it, yeah, I, there's a lot of stuff going on. And it was it was my fault, but still, I mean <laughs> – I don't know why people had to raise their voices. Because you were trying to order something that didn't exist, and you were caught in an endless no cheese loop that never would have ended. You'd still uh, be there right now. Again, he hold the noodles. Yeah, I'm, I'm cringing right now thinking about. It. Have you ever done something and then like even when you think about it, like a long time later, it's like it's still, uh, it's still embarrassing. I was so embarrassed. <laughs> Can you imagine uh, the guy yelling behind? They don't have that. Yeah, I'm never going back to. It. Not only okay, I imagine met- imagine being the guy. You're yelling at Mike. Hey, they don't have meatball subs. And then this dude orders a sandwich with just turkey yes. on bread. You're just looking uh, at like, what? what the hell was that guy? Oh man, I didn't even want to order that after I got after I got yelled at. I just wanted to leave, but I felt like I had I don't know. I felt like I had to get something. I didn't even want the turkey sub. It was a very sad. Um, lunch for me when I actually do you, did. Do you eat the turkey and then the bread, or do you actually ha- bite into the sandwich? No, I do eat that as a sandwich. Okay. So that was somewhat normal. <laughs> Crazy but, for uh, me to ask. <laughs> well. Wait, and you'll like this. I know the answer to this. Uh, when you get a meatball sub and you eat it separately, how would you feel about taking your bread and running it through the excess sauce? <sighs> no, I don't. No, I don't want to do that. I, it's okay if like the sauce is other, but I'm not going to use the bread as like a tool to collect. Or that just—I don't know. Once that sauce is off the is off the sandwich and it's like on the plate, it's, it's it's gone. It's over. I mean, we leave that sauce behind. I'm shocked that he wanted a meatball sub because right? if there's no sauce I'm... on it, then that place needs to be shut down <laughs> because it has to have sauce on it if it's meatballs. So that just this whole start, this whole conversation started off with something I was shocked at. I thought it was going to be something with turkey and cheese and like they put the cheese on mistakenly, but there's sauce on meatballs. Yes, and I'm okay with that. Um, it's not something that I order all the time, 
but I have had it before, and it's, it's good. You know, meatballs are, you know, whatever. They're, they're good. I like that. And then you just have the bread. So if you eat the meatballs and you just have bread with a little sauce on it, like, I like that. Um, I don't always order it probably less than 10 times in my life, but I was, it was the closest place to my hotel. It was within walking distance. I was right there. I thought, you know, pop in, nice and easy. Um, it was, and then it turned out to be the exact opposite. It was anything but. It, it almost ruined my day, quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I do have one. I have one food suggestion to ask if you would try this: a grilled cheese dipped in tomato soup. No, I don't like. Oh I don't like God. tomato soup. No, there's a, a restaurant I go to that makes a a grilled cheese sandwich, and they try to give you tomato soup on the side, and I just I leave the soup. I tell them <laughs> no, I don't want it. I don't like it. He's Mike Kavala from the Las Vegas Sun. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, guys. I thought it was going to be easy. Yes, because you walked into a sandwich place, and you're supposed to get your sandwich. That's maybe one of the easiest things you'll do in a day, is to walk in and just order oh, the sandwich. Man, I love Quiznos, too. Quiznos I love it, great. too. There's but, only one in well, the city. Well, there's two. One's in the airport, but there's only one in no. the city. Did you know there's actually – I have to find the story to get the exact details here. Quiznos used to be, like, one of the most popular sandwich restaurants in the country, like, in the two, 2009, 2010 – and then they like got greedy and started asking their franchisees to pay more money than they could actually make back selling sandwiches. So they're like all gone. Oh, they just upped the franchise franchise. They, fee? they started. They tried to like buy all the equipment and then sell it right, back and sell to it them back to the franchisees where you don't something. make any money and nobody could make any money. Right. So there's like seven left in the country or I, something. I mean, I love it, but if but the other thing he said is he read the menu. <laughs> So where in the world did he come up with? Where did he come up with? Not seeing a meatball sub and then ordered a meatball sub. I wanted to be the guy behind him screaming. (laughs) They don't have that. How frustrated was that guy when he kept hearing (laughs) cheese? All right, coming up next, the Golden Knights lost a preseason game, lost a preseason shootout, and lost a bunch of players to injury last night. Our stats hogwash. Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Call the press box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678. I just want to win so damn bad for our players and for Jacksonville. We're going to get this thing going. I know I said that last week, but damn, they played hard. and Our players played their asses off today. So just got to eliminate some mistakes and learn how to win. I would never try to give Urban Meyer advice first off. I mean, he's one of the great college coaches of all time, and, and you can tell they're on the right track. They're playing at a high level. The quarterback is incredibly talented, very special, unique ability, and I, I see them progressing really quickly throughout the season. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Too bad they got to play Alabama every week. Um, the Golden Knights had a preseason game last night. They lost to San Jose, uh, lost the practice shootout as well. Even though they lost the game in regulation, they had a little shootout afterwards too. Uh, potentially a problem. They lost three guys throughout the course of the game. Mark Stone, Braden McNabb, and Shea Theodore all left the game. Uh, McNabb and Theodore, nobody know, really knows why. And Pete DeBoer did not give any update whatsoever yesterday after the game. Uh, Mark Stone, we all know why, because he got hit in the face with a puck or in the ear with a puck. Uh, Pete DeBoer said he had to get some stitches, but he didn't really sound too worried about Mark Stone's actual availability. So the Golden Knights will probably be fine from that. But it was almost worst case scenario in a preseason game. But I don't want to talk about that at all. I want to talk about Mark Stone 
Robin Leonard and snakes and snakes in his backyard and his pool. So Mark Stone, two days ago over the weekend, was talking to the media about Robin Leonard. Came over to his house for like they had like a party or something like a preseason party. Yeah, yeah like end of summer party. Yeah, like hey, yeah, teammates come over. Right. And Robin Leonard was apparently digging up snake holes in Mark Stone's backyard. And a day later, a couple days later, Mark Stone said he found five snakes in his pool. Yeah. Two questions. Who gave Robin Leonard a shovel at a party? <laughs> Brought his own. And, and yeah. And the second one is why is Mark Stone living at Red Rock uh, right. Canyon? Where does where, he live? where does Mark Stone live that you could dr- <laughs> you could you could dig a few holes? Yeah, I know you're gonna have the answer because you have answers to crazy questions. But where in the world does know. this guy live? I was, I was where go. He, you dig a few holes and you wake up the next morning. And there's five snakes in your pool. No, he lives in. Have you ever been just driving down a street here in Vegas and then it's like beautiful apartment building, beautiful apartment building. A giant plot of land with, like, six gutted chevettes in the uh, front yard. Apparently, Mark Stone lives there. <laughs> and they're all the, his chevettes? That was, again, I'd love to have been at the party for many reasons, but I don't know why he started to dig. Now, hockey players. That is a good question, too. I mean, why, why did he start to dig at all? Who said, this will be a good idea? We're, we've run out of beer. We're not sure what to do now. Okay, I'll just dig holes. Well, I there's mean, always what? that one guy at the party that you're like, what there's is he doing? What? No, like, <laughs> what is he doing out by himself yeah. just standing in the corner? Well, and Stone has talked about his house before where he has chipping greens and putting greens. He's such a, you know, he's a really good golfer. So he has all this in the back. It's like, where was this guy digging? Like, I hope he wasn't digging up like the fourth hole in the backyard. And all of a sudden he's like, oh, what are you doing out there? That's where I practice my swing. Have you seen a snake in Las Vegas? Yeah. I have never seen a snake in this city. No, I've seen a lot of scorpions. You guys need to snakes. come up to the north side. We'll not be doing that. No, I, um, no, I've not. I, no, I have not. Not no, not like I might have done things with my kids where we've gone places and snakes, but you're saying like on the ground, like walking yeah, around, like in no. your house or in your neighborhood no. or something. No, like I haven't either. No, I like that's one of the. By the way, we talked about underrated reasons why Las Vegas is a great place to live. We don't have any natural disasters like hurricanes or anything like that. Number two, there's no bugs in this city. Like oh, I, like the ones you found in Mississippi. When, like I come from Mississippi, right. you walk outside, you're getting there's eaten bugs, by mosquitoes. A, a big as big as snakes. Right, exactly. You got to wear off bug spray. Do yes. they even sell off in this city? I don't think I've ever seen bug spray they, in a store. Do because Danny says yes. There's no mosquitoes here. You're only buying it to take it somewhere else. I've seen part scorpions and I've seen roof rats. The hell's a roof rat? A rat that lives on a roof. <laughs>